Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, my name is Chuck Henshaw. I play Carter Hall, a.k.a. Hawkman, on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and you're listening to Next Level Radio. guys it is time for another annual issue of dc primetime this time our legends of tomorrow season one annual uh from the showcast on the next level podcast network i am ben beck and from gappy crew i am rob martin and we welcome in as our guest this week for the legends of tomorrow annual issue uh a previous guest of dc primetime our friend over at nerd base uh chris mannix Hey! <laughs> hey! Hey! I'm in, I'm in New Jersey, so I gotta be like, hey! hey. Come on! Was it, you want some pizza or some bagels or something? Come on! We're in Jersey, yeah! Because nobody talks like that here. No, no. 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 All they you gotta really do, don't. as long as you're not like lifting your shirt and showing us the situation, maybe I am. We're fine. That's true. You might be. Uh, who I knows? Uh, but as we mentioned, uh, first off, apologies for the length of time it has taken us to do a new recording. Uh, scheduling has been hectic over the past couple weeks with the 4th of July holiday and, and some other previously unknown issues that arose due to scheduling. I know we were supposed to do our Flash annual last week with the boys from over at uh, uh, DCR, but uh, unfortunately... Very, very, very last minute, they got called away and were un- unable to do it. We did not have a backup. Uh, but this time around, we're, we're still going to be sticking to the Flash annual next week because we know that's the one that a lot of people are looking forward to hearing. We're still holding out a little hope that DCR is going to join us, but uh, we will have a backup plan just in case this time around. Yeah, and it, if we don't have anything, he'll just hear us. So. <laughs> well, because as you... We're not yeah. going to push it off any longer. So great, no, you I, just lost like five listeners. I know. Actually, no, it'll be like half the bag. No, that's right. why we listen five, to the show. Five listeners, half. <laughs> hey, <laughs> what are you trying to say? I know we have more subscribers than that. Nothing. So I, I don't know what you. What? Man, already off to a good start, Chris. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, for a but, second, I got. I did get scared for a second when I thought you were about to say we we're going to do the Flash Angle tonight, and like, oh crap! I took all the wrong notes. <laughs> <laughs> No, so we're going to do the Flash Annual next week. However, this week, uh, we are going to do our annual for Legends of Tomorrow Season 1. 16 episodes in this first season of Legend of Tomorrow. And uh, this was a show that we didn't know what to expect when it came out. Because a lot of characters pulled from other shows. Uh, You know, we had uh, Professor Stein and Jax from over at The Flash. We had Captain Cold and Heat Wave from The Flash as well. I don't really think they pulled anybody from Arrow. Oh, Katie Lotz. I was going to say, come on, dude. One of the main characters of the show. (laughs) Yeah, White Canary. uh, And Ray Palmer, of course, too. Adam, they pulled from... So, yeah. So, nobody from from Arrow. No. No, nobody from Arrow. Sorry. I was mistaken. 
<laughs> uh, but we're going to break this down as we have before with Supergirl and Arrow. Well, we go over our favorite moments, least favorite moments, standout favorite characters, worst characters, best and worst episodes, as well as rate the villain and rate the season. Uh, we'll make some predictions for the second season as well. And then uh, try to catch up on two weeks worth of news. Oh, that man. There's way too much of. Yeah. A lot of cool casting news, though. There is, and uh, we're going to apologize right off the bat because when we do hit the news, it's just going to be me, and it's going to be me rambling as fast as I can because <laughs> I have three pages of news notes, which is insane. Well, small leaf. Well, notes. yeah, like it's a decent-sized notebook, but still three pages. That's still a lot. Uh, I think the most we've ever done is a page and a half. We so. picked the wrong week to not record for news. We really did. So, so. Uh, But let's kick things off and let's start things off with our favorite moment from this first season of Legends of Tomorrow. And Chris, we're going to turn it over to you since you are a guest. What were some of your or some of or if not your favorite moment from this first season? I'm sorry. <laughs> like, uh, um. Uh, the cat was meowing at the door, <laughs> and, uh, so I'm sitting there on mute. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, babe, can you let the cat in? She said, meow. I'm like, shh, kitty, shh, KK, shush. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite moment, or some of your favorite moment or moments from this first season? Oh, let's see. Goodness gracious. Um. I would say my favorite moment was the inclusion of a character that, for some reason that I could never explain, I have liked since I was a kid. And the the guy who played him, incidentally, Jonah Hex. Yeah. I thought bringing, I mean, um, jumping the gun, I, I'll, I'll hold off on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, that was probably my favorite one that when I heard they had him in there, um... I was I was really stoked, um, and my brain just completely stopped uh, when I was about to say who played him. <laughs> uh, the guy who played Jonah Hex in in, in, in Legends of Tomorrow, cheesy uh, uh, yeah. crack, Jonathan Shake. He has wanted to play that character for a long time. He actually, if I'm not incorrect, he wanted to play him in, when the movie was being made, uh, and it's. Uh, I remember him from way back. There was a movie from the uh, mid-90s called The Doom Generation. Yes. And uh, so once they announced him playing Jonah Hex, I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. You know, because he just – he has that similar air about him. Um, so that was really cool that they brought him in and that they had Jonathan Shake playing him. I was really stoked about that. Uh, above everything else, that I think surprised me the most of the season. Okay. Uh, Rob, how about you? Your favorite moment, if not uh, a, a couple of different favorite moments? Um, I got to say, I think that was actually my original, too, was the Jonah Hex thing. But I, you know what? I'm going to say instead, uh, Connor Hawk, um, the you know Star City 2046 and Jumping to the Future. Um, I think this, the, the how they did Connor Hawk was not how I expected them to do it. But I love the fact that they made it Diggle's son. I thought that was really unique. Yeah. And this is going to be a rare occurrence, too, with this. Um, ordinarily, I know with the Arrow and the Supergirl one, when we talk about favorite moments and we talk about least favorite moments and such, it, it was pretty common that at least two of us had the same favorite moment. But I think we're completely different on this one altogether. My favorite moment uh, was from Destiny 
episode, which was the second to last episode of the season. Uh, six words. There are no strings on me. Yeah, that was pretty phenomenal, too. Um, you know, Leonard Snart was such a fantastic character and his hero moment uh, was probably one of my favorite while sad, because, again, it's a character that's saying goodbye to the show. If if at least for this season, it was it was his bow of of the show. Uh, but it is kind of tied with another uh, another moment, because I, I know I'm cheating a little bit here and I do have can, two. Can I make a guess on what that was? You Sure. Uh, my guess is the final episode where you actually saw Mick go back in time just to say goodbye to him. You, you're a hero to me. And that is what Mick tells uh, Snart in the bar. You're absolutely correct. Uh, that was such a powerful moment for, uh, for Mick's character and, and Snart's character as well. So those two moments together are, uh, are pretty much my favorite moments of... Yeah, I mean, I, I got to agree on everybody's. I mean, I think... It was impossible to pick a favorite, and I kind of was floundering because Jonah Hex was mine. I'm like, I got to think of something else. But, uh, yeah, I think Cold, the only reason it wasn't my favorite was because that means Cold was dead. So, <laughs> But it was a great ending and an exit, and the stuff with Mick following that up was fantastic to see. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was easily, I think, they were two of my absolute favorite characters in the show. I know that's getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, um, but yeah, that's, that, they were such strong, poignant moments across the board for the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and I got to say one other favorite thing was actually not from the show, but I think uh, us doing barista watch had me <laughs> just waiting for them to drop the word some point in time in the show. So it was one of the things that we hated hearing, but yet we looked forward to hearing it every week just so we could drop the counter down to zero. Yeah, it was easily one of my favorite things. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on to some of our least favorite moments, if not least favorite moment from the show. Uh, and Rob, we'll start with you on this one. Easy. Barista watch. <laughs> uh, that's exactly my my thought process on that is any time that they set a character backwards. I uh, was very specifically uh, Hawkgirl. Uh, they, they did nothing with her. And I think the least favorite moment was any moment she was pretty much on screen. Uh, I, I have no other points really, really I can say, but I pretty much think any plotline she was in suffered because I just don't think they knew what to do with that character. Uh, Chris, how about you? Um, in a in a funny, not funny twist of events, uh, my favorite moment of them bringing Jonah Hex also happened to be that same episode happened to have my least favorite part of it. I mean, that the whole Basically, everything in that episode, with the exception of Jonah Hex, I just was disappointed in. Uh, most importantly, uh, these hunters were supposed to be these badasses that we're supposed to fear, and they're going to give them a real hassle, you know? Oh, the but, pilgrims. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, no, no. The pilgrim was the girl. Yeah. It was the hunters. Oh, that's right. That's right. The hunters. Yeah. Yeah. The, the pilgrim was the one girl. Now, she did give them a little bit of a hassle, but the, the hunters, they were just like, they, they showed up, and then they boop, boop quickly easily dispatched with like it was like all right were they supposed to actually be some form of nemesis to the characters i mean because they really weren't they were like it's like uh like the 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 team was had leveled up to like level 38 at that point and the hunters came in and there were a bunch of level 22 enemies so they're just like yeah whatever done 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is one of the things that and we... Yes, had... I just RPG'd that. <laughs> this is one of the things that we had brought up, I think, earlier when we actually discussed that episode, is that at one point in that episode, uh, Mick unmasks one of those assassins. And to me, that kind of like... Any threat that those guys pose, the moment you saw a human face underneath those intimidating costumes, it took away any threat that those guys even posed. Yeah, I mean, and you definitely thought, like, they're going to be dealing with these guys for episodes on end. Like, the Time Masters made them sound like Kronos was a massive underling in comparison to these guys. And, and like, yeah, what, five, ten minutes of screen time max? And they're like, nope, they're done. Peace. And then you're like, what the fuck? That just made no sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as my least favorite moment from the show goes, uh, it kind of ties into yours, Rob, a little bit. Uh, but it's not just any storyline with Kendra. I just was not crazy about the Hawk storyline in general. Yeah. Um, it, I felt like I mean, it weak. was – yeah, it was really weak. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was, it's hard to say if it was that or if it was the Kendra-Ray relationship. It was – they were an equal toss-up of bad. Yeah, I mean, and that's something I'll cover a little bit later on to it as far as when we go over some of the other stuff. But um, like I just felt like if you removed that completely from this, it really didn't change the dynamic of the show that much. Um, Not only that, but I mean, the stronger of the two Hulk characters, whether it be Hunter or um, or Kendra the stronger of the two you killed off in the second episode (laughs) Uh, and you left us with the weaker one. I mean, and I understand probably why you did it. You used the rest of the season to kind of build her up as a stronger character. But by the time we finally got that at the end of this season, it it was too little too late for me. I I had pretty much already written her character off by that point. Yeah. Yeah, Personally. I mean, if they were going to bring in, uh, you know, uh, uh, league of superheroes characters, I would have much rather, um, the the big, you know, main folk because like where the hawk, hawk guys, at were the main characters in this respect. You know, fighting against Vandal Savage. I really think they should have just gotten rid of them and brought in uh, either um, Apache Chief or Zan and Jaina. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been interesting to see Apache Chief. Come well, it, c- it, come on, I mean, because you had that. Oh, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. But there was there was a certain <laughs> giant episode, a <laughs> like, You know him and uh, he could have had like a, a sort of a theme episode with, with Ray and Apache Chief, sort of like tag team wrestling a giant robot. I think Which that would, would I think that would have actually been pretty awesome. So I would watch it. Yeah, I would have watched it. I, mean, I watched it anyway. So yeah, I definitely would watch it. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's change and shift gears a little bit more. Let's talk about some of the characters from the show this time around. We've already focused on a couple of them, but um, let us pick out our favorite uh, slash standout character from the season, in which we had a lot. There were a lot of characters in this show. It is a true ensemble cast, unlike Flash and Arrow, which are ensemble cast too, but they do have a main focal point, whereas, you know, this show, it was a true ensemble. There was, there really wasn't any one person that kind of stood out, uh, at least pr- uh, purposely stood out among any of the other ones. Uh, so let's talk about who our favorite characters were. Uh, and Chris, we'll turn it over to you. Who was your favorite character from this ensemble cast? Okay, so that's sort of a uh, an interesting answer I have for that. So in a way... Ray Palmer would have been my favorite character 
had he instead been Ted Cord. Okay. Because All right. Yeah. I, I really felt throughout the series, uh, even since Arrow, that he felt so much more like Ted Cord as a character, a Blue Beetle, for those who don't know, uh, than, uh, than Ray Palmer slash Adam. Uh, I just felt he had more of the Ted personality, uh, as I always translated it from the comics. That more that uh, just he, if you if you get it, you get it. Yeah, it's uh, that geeky, overly happy, excited about everything. Correct. And just being one of those people that's going to be toe to toe standing with these legendary people. And Ted was one of those characters that was always so excited to do every one of those things. Exactly. Exactly. I never felt that uh, Ray Palmer felt more of a counterbalance to like Hank Pym, you know, sort of a right, right. Uh, more of a stoic esque sort of slightly grumpy, you know, kind of like I do what needs to be done, not I do what needs to be done, you know. So yeah, I mean, um, usually the, the the fun Adam was Ryan Choi um, versus right. Ray Palmer, you know. Right. I, I mean, it's nice to see though, ultimately that they did make that kind of change and they kind of made this character something new and something that people can grasp onto now. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. But given that, uh, I love, 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 uh, snart captain cold, his, his delivery that, Mm, come on guys, you know, that, that, that smarmy, slimy voice of his and just the way, just the the dynamic of his character, how he shifts, and he, amongst all the other characters in the show, uh, possible exceptions given to um, Firestorm characters, of course, it has the best character growth during the process of the series, from how he starts to how he ends. Uh, I just, by and large, he is my favorite character of the, show, and, of the series. And that voice of his was something that I'll freely admit was kind of it kind of got on my nerves a little bit at the beginning, his delivery. But it grew on me so fast, like back in Flash. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even a little bit in the beginning of Legends, it was just his delivery was kind of like, I'm like, OK, we can speed up how we talk a little bit. We don't have to like slowly enunciate everything. Um, but I grew to love it. I really did. It became such a, a, a engraved part of his character that it was something that I just absolutely loved. The funny thing is, is that I had made a joke a while back that uh, he was basically channeling Eartha Kitt's Catwoman when he was doing the voice. <laughs> Apparently, I, yeah, it's like that and Jada Pinkett Smith did the same thing with Fish Mooney. But, you know, we're, we're, oh, we're Jada not, Pinkett. Let's, yeah, let's, not, let's, let's not sour this uh, uh, podcast <laughs> with mention of what may be the most awful and hateable character to hit TV comic book shows uh, in any... Uh, well, I was going to say where she did it in that way that drove you nuts and wanted to like tear your ears off. He, 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 did, he did it in a way that just made you love that. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Rob, how about you? Um, because you went with Snart, uh, again, he's probably my top. But I got to say second for me easily would be I adore Firestorm by the end of this. And when I say Firestorm, I mean both Stein and Jax because – they really became something special, the two of those characters. And I think it's hard to say one without the other because I think you showed it. They showed it the best when you they got to the episode Legend um, where or or maybe I'm sorry, maybe it was Destiny is when Jax comes back to kind of help save the day. When we got to see the two versions of their characters with Jax from the timeline that was happening at the finale point, 
meeting with an older Professor Stein, you got to see how much both of those characters truly evolved in 16 episodes. Uh, we talked about that at the finale, and I still agree. When you got to really see that in the way that they both acted those parts, it was exactly how you remembered Stein being from Flash. Like, he was this very pompous, kind of holier-than-thou type of character. And it made me happy with one of the things that we talked about from the first episode of our show, was that moment that Stein drugged Jax. And we were like, "That's that was messed up. That's so out of character. It makes this character not likable. And they wrote it to be the fact that Jax basically implanted that idea in his head to do this. This was something he had to do to make the future right. And I love that they did all these little things and you understood why the characters' motivations were what they were by the end. And they just shined. This, from what we saw of them in Flash to now, was, I think, really phenomenal. And they, both of those actors did such an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I'd, I had forgotten about that, how they brought that back around with them with the whole uh, thing. That really was very well written. I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, I remember I think the first episode of our show, TJ was on and it was just very like, I have a serious problem with this. And I did, too. And I think, like, you know, Ben, I forget. I think you were kind of. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like it was that whole idea that they were able to write away one of the biggest problems and they did so in a way that worked. Yeah, that was something that I had issues with uh, as well. But I mean, you're absolutely right. The way they brought it back around and explained why it was done and actually made it make sense because uh, it did at the time seem like something that was totally out of character of Professor Stein to do. And then when you got to the end of the season, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. They bookended it to the point where it made sense. And now, you know exactly why he did it. I'm actually yeah. going to real quick, if I may, guys, I'm going to rescind that Bill Cosby joke and <laughs> insert instead a more uh, poignant uh, joke about him being B.A. Baracus and that being an A-team ripoff. So <laughs> Bill Cosby was an easy reach and I just threw it out there. I didn't really think too hard. And I was like, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I love the B.A. Baracus Very nice. <laughs> parallel now. Uh, I ain't getting on no plane. <laughs> uh, yeah. B.A., have this glass of milk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because that didn't happen five times previously. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go a different route with my favorite character. I've made no bones about the fact that Leonard Snart has been one of my favorite characters this entire season. Uh, but for the sake of being a little bit different, um, you know, we've already gotten uh, Snart. We've already gotten Firestorm. Uh, the most standout character to me, and I'm, I'm basing this purely on Chris, as you did with with growth of Snart. Uh, I'm basing this on growth as well. Somebody who has come made a complete 180 from the time we first saw them till the end. Uh, Mick has, in my opinion, had incredible growth. I mean, he went from a character who was this grunt and just, you know, cared nothing except for robbing and, and, and pillaging and, and, and being a criminal to seeing so much emotion out of him by the end, especially with uh, the death of Snart. Uh, and for that reason, like I, I he sticks out. I, I went back and I rewatched the fin- the two part finale again earlier on this week when we were preparing for this. And I just like I'm so amazed at how different his character is from the beginning of this, even from the flash. So for that reason, uh, Mick Rory is probably one of my favorite characters uh, right behind Snart of this of this season. 
So, uh, this is I, probably, I think, yeah, I, I didn't give him enough credit, but I think that really shined through as well when, uh, they did have the scene where Snart goes back and he's like, you, you know, you're my hero. And Rory's just like, the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you mean yeah. when, when, when Mick goes back? Swap uh, that. oh Sweet. gosh, swap that, yeah. reverse it. Yeah. <laughs> Strike that, reverse it. <laughs> yeah. I knew, we knew what you meant though. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right. That's that to me right there. That's the moment that shows the growth that he has had and the change that he's come around. And, you know, you would have never thought at any point he would have called anybody a friend. And at that point in time, you know, he's saying to to um, to Rip at one point in that episode, too, I don't want to lose another friend. You know, when Rip is about to sacrifice himself for the good of the team and you would have never heard that come from him when the show started. He would have never considered anybody a friend. I don't even think part of him would have even ever called Snart a friend, even though he was. Yeah. That was just his character. And it, it's a complete 180 by the end. Um, as far as worse characters go, I don't think there's much of a difference in our opinions on this. Uh, no, I, I, th- I think we're all across the board. Over, I, I could be wrong. On I, that, but. We'll go through it. Uh, I could be wrong. Um, Rip but, Hunter. <laughs> yeah, Rip Hunter. Um, no, Ray Palmer. No, it's, um, I'm going to start this one cause I haven't started a category yet, but, uh, very easily in my opinion, Kendra, I've already made, I've already made it clear that I was not crazy about the Hulk storyline and Kendra was the weaker of the two. She just, I don't really felt like she brought anything to this show. Um, so, I mean, in my opinion, she's. She she's the worst character from this from this ensemble cast, hands down. Um, I I don't think it's you could say anybody else would be. Everybody else was too strong. I mean, we could have pretty made pretty much made arguments for just about everybody in the show as being one of the best characters. Um, you know, with the exception of I, I exactly understand where you know Mannix is talking about as far as Ray, because again, this was that weird kind of like Ted Cord analog that I could never see past too. Um, but. You know, he was still a great, fun character. And even though if that's the version of the Adam they give us, we could all say, you know what? There was a lot to love about him. Um, True. And, you know, same goes for Sarah. Same goes for Rip. Um, I mean, everybody had something positive to bring to the table except her. She really did not have anything. And I, I don't fault Sierra Renee, the actress, at all. I think she did fine. But the problem is the writers had no clue what to do. And that even matches in comics. Like, it's rare they even ever see the Hawkman or Hawkwoman characters ever done well. Every time they write a story with them, they have to find a way to hit the magic reset button on them because they don't know what to do or how to fix this convoluted story of their past. Are they Thanagarians? Are they ancient Egyptians with past life problems or whatever? It's it's a genuine problem with those characters' existence. Yeah, I think it... I think it was a matter of they chose Vandal Savage as the big bad for the season, but they kind of figured, okay, we can't really do Vandal Savage without bringing in the Hawks. Yeah, you could have. They could have just did. He was a caveman, just like they did in the books. The fact that they tied it to them didn't make any sense in my brain. Okay, well, that completely negates what I was about to say. And (laughs) I'm fine. No, I'm fine with that. Trust me, Um, because it was a weird. It was for the Vandal Savage. The fact that they shoehorned it into that plot thread just made me scratch my head every time he showed up on screen. Yeah. Uh, but we'll send it over to Chris because we don't know what his worst character is. It could be Kendra. It could be somebody different. Uh, I would have to go with Rex Tyler. <laughs> 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 uh, 
zero character development. Uh, uh, told told us nothing about the story. Easily, hands down, the weakest character about the entire series. Never said he was our man. Like he just he dropped just, things like JSA. Like we're supposed to know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey, you sent me back. Like, what's your deal, bud? You know. I mean, it's like what you, we got to wait six months before we're going to understand this plot thread. Come on, yeah, yeah. That's, you don't yeah, do that stuff in TV. It's absurd, it's absurd. <laughs> no, I, I do, I do agree with you with, with the Hawk characters. Um, they were the they were the Jar Jar Binks of this season. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, they're really you could have completely removed them and just had the legends go up against Vandal Savage, who carries his own weight. He doesn't need the leverage of having some. I mean, that that was completely unnecessary. The whole meteor storyline, they could have kept that. They could have kept the Egyptian storyline. They could have kept everything. He was just some immortal asshole. Um, are we allowed to curse? I'm sorry. Yes. No, oh, you're yeah. fine. Some immortal asshole. Rob who, dropped the F-bomb earlier. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. No. <laughs> hey, I'm from Jersey. We all the time. Come on. You know. um, no, it, it, just, it, it was really just... just um, they were unnecessary. I mean, uh, honestly, if... Somebody would do like they did with episode one and just to redo the series and just remove their characters from it. Um, you'd ha- you'd get rid of that awful. I, I forgot another part of the uh, series that season that I really didn't like was that whole uh, Ray and Kendra in the past. And it ugh, that was so weak. You know, <laughs> that whole scenario was just kind of like, oh, we're trapped in the past. We're going to become Holly homemakers. And <laughs> and that's it. You know, like, uh, all right, Ray isn't going to make some kind of cool sort of like it was boring. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you completely. And I want to bring this up because this is something, Rob, I don't know if we've discussed. And Chris, maybe you've you have thoughts on this, too. All right. So moving along. All right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, This whole uh, Legends of Tomorrow was obviously started on Arrow. It was part of the Arrow Flash crossover, and then it launched into Legends of Tomorrow, in which it was the first appearance that we saw the Hawks. It was the first appearance that we saw Vandal Savage. And we also saw Vandal Savage killed, in which we saw a Malcolm Merlin approach his ashes. I guess we don't know why. Was that ever revealed? I don't think it was. Like, to me, that's a huge plot hole that was never filled in. I, I, I come to think of it, actually, I don't think that actually was. I mean, I, I, we saw Kendra back on the finale of season one of The Flash. Like, we see her in the crowd as the everything goes up. But, you know, we see her stick around for a little bit and be a, kind of an interest to Cisco, And then we have that happen. Yeah, and Malcolm takes the ashes. But, yeah, that was never addressed anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that wasn't just me. I mean, I, I, you know what? I might have to go back and watch episode one and see if there was a quick moment, but I don't recall it. It very much felt like, you know, you know, Rip comes and says, hey, this is what's going to happen. It's somebody and they're like, we, we killed him. And they're like, well, he's back. And I think that's exactly how it was addressed. I think that's I think that is how it was addressed, if I remember correctly. Or they just left it as he can't be killed unless by such and such. And that's it. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe it's like like the the Batman, the 1960s Batman, where you just add water and he comes back. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> the UN's all screwed up, and that's now where that's the world we live in today. So. Yeah, or in the exactly. case of John Barrowman finding the ashes, adding something a little different. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh man. All right, we're moving on after, the, <laughs> after that one. I'm just saying, guys. <laughs> have you ever seen him live? <laughs> He makes those kind of jokes all the time. He does. He really does. He's a dirty bird. 
so we've talked about our favorite and least favorite moments, favorite characters, and worst characters in our opinions. Let's focus more on the episodes. Uh, and let us discuss our best and worst episodes of the season. Uh, starting off with best. You know what? Let's start off with worst this time. Let's end on a high note. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. I was still looking over shit. No, oh. I'm just kidding. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, good. Uh, worst episode. Um, Rob, we'll start with you just because you claim you're prepared. Um, I'm going to go with episode number three, uh, Blood Ties. And that was the weird ass eyes wide shut odd oddity that was episode three where we're all looking at him like is this where the show's going I, I really hope it's not where the show's going um yeah it was that whole episode was just odd it did nothing for any of the characters at all it made vandal savage oddly interesting but in a weird kind of messed up kubrick kind of way and that's not what i kind of expected from him um but i don't think anything really fun came out of this it was just you know, it was them coming back and getting Carter's body, and it was that whole idea is like, wait, is Carter really dead? Yep, he's totally dead. This is not what I expected of the show, and it didn't give me a lot of hope for episode four, because the first part of the pilot was great. Second part, meh, was shaky, and then three just kind of just plummeted, in my opinion. And then four started to fix a lot of things when they did the whole uh, Russia stuff. Yeah. Uh, Chris, how about you? It was up. Uh, I don't know episode numbers, but can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it just, Skype just said no microphone detected. That's weird. Um, for me, it's a toss-up either between, again, uh, going back to the, the Western episode, because that was just a, a whole lot of build-up with zero delivery, or um, that whole 1950s episode just was really sort of off-paced i mean that was that was a cutting room floor episode it just ruined the pace of the series like if i were to watch it in a full you know full-blown binge watch sitting uh i could have sat and been okay yeah i think that was uh episode eight night of the hawks which is the weird hawk people episode well i think that was the one i think he's talking about <sighs> left left behind yes well, it was it was the two episodes where they were stuck in the 50s yeah night of the hawk was the one where they first went back to the 50s and then they were left behind at the end of that one. And then the next episode was titled Left Behind. Um, but I'm on the same boat with that one. I was not crazy about the Night of the Hawk episode. Again, another Hawk storyline. Well, but different Hawks this time. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I wasn't crazy about that one. But, I, I, you know, my worst episode is that Left Behind episode. It, you're right. It added absolutely nothing to the season except focus more on that Kendra ray relationship that i felt was unneeded but we didn't need Completely. that at all see the one yeah. thing the only reason i will say i kind of will defend left behind is it had three major show fixes in one episode and, and i did, I, it, I, did I, it incredibly well yeah i do know there is one thing um that was a very big highlight of that episode um which is why again I, i'm it's kind of rough throwing it into the worst because of this one amazing twist of the show that I did not see coming. And I know, Rob, I don't think you did either. No, um, no. And Chris, I don't know if this was something you saw coming or not as well. But this was also the episode where we found out the true identity of Kronos, who also happened to be Mick Rory. Yes. Um, that was a huge twist that I absolutely loved, and it was the only reason I was glad I stuck it out to the end of that episode. Was that episode directed by M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> I don't think so, but it had a feel to it, didn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. 
because it was kind of boring and then had a huge twist at the end. Was, <laughs> I mean, it completely fits his MO, so I just you never know. I mean, oh, yeah. one, one thing I will give also positive to that episode, and there wasn't a lot, but again, the Chronos stuff, but I like the fact that they did a time jump for the guys in the 50s, uh, more specifically for Sarah. Um, within a single episode, we no longer had to deal with her having the uh, the whole blood rage issue of coming out of the Lazarus pit. Uh, the fact that Raish uh, pretty much got her under control after her spending a year with him. Um, I like that it advanced some characters' clocks forward a little bit, and some people came away from that positively, where Ray and Kendra didn't. So, so we saw a positive twist for Sarah, and then a massive twist for for Mick, knowing that he's been alive for potentially thousands of years. And yeah. her being a year forward and in control of herself, it just it cut that episode cut back some melodrama while added more. So, yeah, I, agreed. I mean, and that's why I, I think those two episodes kind of tied together. I, I kind of felt like uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I referenced a certain old '50s movie. Uh, or even the 40s movie when we were talking about Night of the Hawk. I can't remember the life of me what it is now. Um, that it was very similar. The Blob. To. Yeah, was it The Blob? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's very Blob-esque, but it's even reminiscent of the 80s movie Night of the Comet. Or not Night of the Comet. Uh crap. Damn it. High school students in the slugs. Shit. Come on. Ah, uh, <laughs> I know it. You can do it. I know. It like a bunch. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I know, I know. I can't remember it now, though. My brain just shut down. All right, go ahead and fill me in on that one. Night of the Creeps. That's Night it. of the Creeps. Yep. That's it. Night of the Comet. Night of the Comet is the weird, uh, twisted uh, future Tim one. With Thomerson. Thrill me. I love mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah, Night of the Creeps is, is one of my all-time favorite movies. Same here. I have watched here. that so many times, quoted it so many times. I could, we could do an entire podcast on Night of the Creeps. Uh, do you know that Night of the Creeps is actually directed by the same guy who did The Monster Squad, amongst others? Really? Uh, uh, yes, yes. A Fred, Fred Decker film. Um, and actually, if you look in the – there's one scene where the, uh, the, the crippled friend is in the bathroom, and it says Monster Squad rules uh, on graffiti in the bathroom stall. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's just a classic horror film. Coming back to DC. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there were so many references in, uh, you know, Night of the Hawk or uh, moments that felt very, you know, 50s horror-ish or 80s horror-ish. And I, I did like that about it, which is what gave it the slight edge over oh, Left oh, Behind. I'm sorry, real quick. Tom Atkins, not Tim Thomerson. My apologies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Left Behind, I think, was just... I, I, we didn't need that whole thing. No, it was, it was so. just, yeah. You could, you honestly, what would have been a more interesting way to have the whole Rory thing come out was to keep his character hidden for a bit longer. And when they sent the hunters out, have the hunters defeated, and at the end they pull off the one guy's mask, and then you have the reveal of Rory. You know, th- just do away with that that episode, the 1950s episode altogether. Go straight to the Western episode, make that a two-parter, and then the hunters are sent by the Time Lords or whatever the heck they are, and <laughs> they, yeah. they defeat them, and the one they have on the ground is struggling and whatnot. They come over, they pull his helmet off to interrogate him, and boom. It's, yeah, Holy Mick. Holy crap. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah, oh my god, Mick. I would yeah, have, it uh, would have been, been awesome. Is this Kronos, le- Kronos so- leading the squad of all of them, and Kronos is the one that they're having a hard time you know, putting down, and that would have worked. Yeah, and we would have gotten two episodes with Jonah Hex, which would have been a yes. far better episode. Yeah, 
very much so. But, you know, again, getting a little ahead of ourselves, who's to say? Not We're not going to see him again in season two, which would be pretty awesome. Um, but now, moving on to, of course, our favorite episode of the season. Uh, and who did I start with last time? I think it was Rob. I started with you. So, mm-hmm. Chris, we will start with you, your favorite episode of this season. You know what? No, Ben, I think we should start with you. Because you've only started one of these. Rob and I have started quite a few of them. So why don't you go first? Take um, the mic. All right. I will take the lead then. And I it was to- I was torn between two. Uh, but I'm going with Legendary, the, um, the season finale. Uh, I feel this episode, there were so many great moments that came out of this episode from start to finish. Um, you know, we saw, obviously, this is the episode where... Uh, Sarah finds out about the death of Laurel. So we get to see Paul Blackthorne in this episode as well. Uh, we get to see, uh, obviously, the moment of Mick uh, going to say goodbye to Leonard appropriately, or at least a past version of Leonard, and telling Leonard Snart that, you know, you're a hero to me. We have everything that happens in between, including the team deciding to stay. We have finally the. Firestorm ability to transmorph uh, objects, oh, yes. mm-hmm. um, which was a huge step forward for for the the Firestorm character. Uh, so many great things, but more importantly, I felt like this was in in past episodes throughout the entire season. You know, we had callbacks to something that happened in a flash, or we had callbacks to something that happened in Arrow, or or something like that. I felt like this was the first real episode a real good example that showed that this show could stand on its own it didn't need references to anything else like it had cut the cord from the shows that had started it and now it was its own entity and it was strong agreed that was why i loved that finale and it made me so hopeful for season two i'm still extremely hopeful for season two especially because of rex tyler and our man and what that could potentially mean for the second season so my favorite episode of this season was the finale it was legendary so now we'll move on to you chris (laughs) (laughs) um i'd have to say uh, my favorite episode was leviathan um and honestly, it's the stupidest reason. I mean, strongest episode, hands down, legendary. I mean, that simply goes without saying. It was your everything you said was one hundred percent correct. It simply stood on its own. It proved that the series did have legs to stand on. Um, but I'm a big Godzilla fan. <laughs> I had a feeling that's why you chose. This you know, too. you choose giant robot versus giant man. Like you know, I just I was excited. It's same thing. You know, when 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 giant Paul Rudd and you know, it was just, I I love giant things battling. That's just my thing. So, you know, and I love sci-fi and that was possibly the most sci-fi of the entire series. So hands down my favorite episode, probably the one I had the most fun watching. (laughs) And and for good reason, knowing you the way we do, that's that absolutely makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, Rob, how about you? Well, I was going to go with, destiny or legendary but you know in sake of being something different again um i'm gonna say star city 2046 um Mm. and i think because it for one it reminded me of one of my favorite movies of all time which is escape from new york um i gotta say i loved seeing 
something different from it felt like where Arrow was failing me this season. This show gave me an episode of Arrow I really loved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and no not to say, but um, I mean, ultimately, though, I just it was interesting. I really thought it was very cool to see all the little things that they did. Um, I mean, seeing older Ollie, that was kind of reminiscent of, you know, the Frank Miller, you know, Dark Knight. Um, with him missing an arm, like it gave all these nods and all these questions, and but things that were big comic people that were big comic book fans obviously knew what they were potentially referencing. Uh, you know, we got to see Connor Hawk. It was fun to see Snart and Mick bumping heads, uh, and then just potentially an alternate future. Um, and even though it wasn't actually Deathstroke, we kind of felt like we got to see Deathstroke again, and it made us question everything that was going to happen in Arrow. Son um, of Deathstroke. Yeah, but I mean, like we were thinking about, oh well. Who's in the grave on Arrow because of things that they brought up in Star City 2046? It's like, is this an actual future? Where does all these things take place? What is and that? But it made us ask so many other questions aside from what was just happening on purely the show. Um, it was just it was so much. It was just fun. It was an absolutely ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, cool. So we've covered most of the. Uh, moments that we have to obviously we cover favorite moments favorite characters worst characters episodes uh let's go to and talk about something that we haven't actually discussed a lot of yet which makes me very curious where this is going to fall let's rate uh the villain of the season and let's rate the season itself uh starting off with the villain obviously the big bad of the episode was vandal savage um so we're going to go with a rating system as we have with the past other annuals that we've done uh we're still going to stick to the sidekick hero and legend but we're going to give it the number rating as well with uh one through three being sidekick four through seven being hero and eight through ten being legendary (laughs) really uh if our listeners could see what we're seeing um let's rate the villain of uh, let's rate vandal savage for the season rob what rating would you give Vandal Savage? I'm going to say he gets a hero. Um, like I said, he left still. I think there was a lot of moments where we just didn't believe he was as nasty and scary as he was supposed to be. Um, and there was a lot of build up to that. And there was only a couple moments where I'm like, I felt any worry or fear for the team. It felt like it, we also were starting to get to a point where the time masters felt like they were more of the main villain than even he was. And uh, they they just felt like they kind of stalled out, but there was he had moments that were just interesting and unique. Again, like I said, as much as I hated the eyes wide shut episode, it made him creepy, but it wasn't you know exactly what I wanted from him or expected from him. Um, and then you have to kind of you know call into his question the type of girls he likes when it was our least favorite character of the show. Um, <laughs> so I gotta say right off the bat, I'm gonna give him a low end hero uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to give him a five. Okay. Uh, Chris, how about you? Five is good. One is bad. Yeah. Uh, yes. Five is good. One is bad, but you can go up to 10. So it's, and oh. we, we specifically go up to 10. You weren't paying <laughs> attention to the one I gave the rating system. Were you, you are absolutely <laughs> correct. One I initially th- thought it was one to four, but, uh, no, one through three is one oh, through okay. three, a sidekick four through seven is hero. Eight through 10 is legend. I'm going to go – I'm not going to give it a number. I'm just going to say sidekick. I have always felt that Vandal Savage was a much 
more he's an a-list villain right but but in his series like a b-list villain like he didn't feel as uh ominous or you know villainous i guess for lack of a better term he's just kind of like he seemed like a uh uh, just kind of like a uh, a bad businessman who lived a long time or something like that. Like I can't really quite explain it how I how I feel about it, but I just I'm very keen on him as a villain. It didn't seem very frightening or uh, really just. It sounded like he was like a side a side track to the uh, rest of the characters just coming to terms on their own as a team. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that as well. I mean, as far as like my rating for for Vandal Savage, I'm going sidekick as well. I'm I'm going with a three on this, uh, and it's kind of a combination of both. Uh, Rob, I mean, you had mentioned that, um, you know, it's I completely forgot where I was going with that, <laughs> <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the images that are on our screen right now, um, but. Basically, I felt like it was it was sort of something almost to the line of Kendra in that the t- I remember what it was the Time Masters felt more like the the villains of this, and whereas by the end of this we felt more like Vandal Savage wasn't a villain but more just a henchman for the Time Masters. Yes, that that that's probably more uh, a better explanation of what I was trying to say. Right, and the I think the moment that he kind of felt like he actually became the villain was like the final episode when he killed all the Time Masters, basically. Yeah, I mean... Or, which... or like, they were all... Well, actually, not even that. It was when, when, you know, Snart killed all of them. And he was just kind of like, well, I guess what I'm going to do is just wipe out the Earth now because I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I need help from two more of me to do it. Yeah, pretty much. I can't do it on my own. I felt like the the Vandal Savage villain was something you could have removed from this storyline completely, along with the Hawks, and you still would have gotten a strong show. Yeah, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna rescind my score. I'm gonna bring <laughs> it down to a four, not a five. <laughs> All right, I'm uh, gonna keep it in hero, but four. So I, I mean, again, I'm really hopeful for where they're gonna go with season with season two. I hope we're gonna get a better villain. You know what my hope around. is is uh you know well you know we'll wait until we get into predictions. Predictions, yeah. Um, so I mean, we're all giving Vandal Savage a pretty low rating on this scale, and nothing higher than a four, which is uh, pretty sad. Uh, but as far as the season goes, same rating scale. Uh, and Rob, we'll start with you on this one. One uh, to ten, hero th- sidekick through legend. What are we going to give all of season one? Um, I, you know what, this is kind of tricky to do because one of the main plot threads, again, being the villain, which kind of usually carries most seasons, has a lot of weight. Um, but ultimately, I don't think that was. It felt like as much of the purpose by the time we wrapped everything up. Uh, it felt like the time masters were the bigger problem at hand. It was the main reasons why we were actually really following the story of Rip recruiting everybody which in my mind says that's actually the villain of the piece um and watching them come to terms with it and losing one of their own in the process of all that so and the show became a big character piece on top of that i think that was one of the things that was interesting it was watching these characters evolve and how what happens with the team dynamic style tv show is of heroes did they succeed in those things and i think for the most part they really really did so i'm gonna say a legend but i'm gonna say uh eight there's definitely room for improvement still, but I still think what emotions it got out of me from the last couple of episodes alone and a lot of moments in the show as well and how much I laughed and just really enjoyed those characters. I think it really deserves that eight. OK, I can see that. Chris, how about you? I'm going to give it, give it uh, uh, I'd say whereas the last season of Arrow, I would I mean, Flash 10 blew it out of the water. 
Uh, Arrow, I would give a five. Uh, so I would probably work a seven. It was better than Arrow. wasn't as good as Flash. Um, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm glad there's this, there's a season two coming. You know, I'm excited to see where they go, especially since it fa- seems like they finally found their footing at the end. Uh, and I could always pull out my next generation analogy in regards to watching shows that seem a little hokey or hinky off the bat turn into something really good as the characters start to meld. Um, what I would like to see in season two, are we doing predictions now or just what we thought of it? Well, we're going to rate the season first and then we're going to All right, go into so I'll, I'll stop there and I'll just say, uh, I'll say a solid seven. Okay. So I, hero and seven, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. It's it's tough because I'm riding that line too between seven and eight because, Rob, as you mentioned, there was, you know, the, the villain is, is part of what makes the show what it is and Vandal Savage being the, the weak villain that he was, um, you know, it was it's kind of tough. But at the same time, you know, we also said that it was more the Time Masters that felt the the villain part and less Vandal Savage. And where the Time Masters stood as the villain of this, they were actually a pretty decent villain of this entire oh, yeah. this entire show. I mean, if we were reading the villain of the villain of the Time Masters, aside from their poor choice in henchmen, I think for everything <laughs> that they pulled it all the grand grand scheme of things, I probably would have given that a seven. Yeah. And it was nice to see a more adult version of Rory Rory Pond getting back at the Time Masters for for giving the Doctor so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, I mean, it, it was an interesting take on the whole thing. <laughs> the man. Uh, sorry, no, nobody had brought that up yet, so I, I, I guess I felt I had to. Oh no, we did it all season long. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> so <laughs> we kept calling Rip Rory. Yeah, <laughs> by accident. But the man who waited. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, I, they got to decide between a seven or an eight. Uh, you know, just because the show found its footing, really strong footing by the end, and the way the season wrapped, uh, I'm going to go with eight. I'm going to give it the legend um, because, again, I'm, I'm judging the villain as the Time Masters, not the uh, uh, not Vandal Savage. So, with that, with that substitution, I would say it would get the eight. If we were judging Vandal as the villain. Uh, I think it would be the seven, but I think it's going to get the eight for me. Uh, but predictions, as Chris, uh, we were uh, mentioning, Chris, we'll let you continue what you were, the thought that process that you were going into uh, for some of the predictions we have for season two. I'm not going to go with a prediction, but more of a hope. Um, because that we don't see enough of, if at all, uh, in TV nowadays, especially in uh, geek TV for lack of a better term, is episodic content. I would just like to see, you know, Villain of the Week as they travel around, you know, travel through time or world by world or what have you, because it's also a spaceship, not just a time ship. Um, it would be nice to see them, you know, travel around as heroes going place to place, you know, uh, and saving people, hunting things. I, I can see that, but I think this was a discussion, Rob, we had with TJ when we did the Supergirl annual. Um, the episodic television is great, uh, but I still think you need that one thing to tie it all together by the end. Um, you know, just a loose – it doesn't even have to be a strong connection like Vandal Savage was in ev- almost every single episode that we had. It doesn't have to be something that's in every episode, but almost like a hinted at backdrop to all these episodes. That's fine. I mean plenty of series have done that where it follows a linear storyline, but the content is still 
you know, it's, you know, episode of the week. You don't have to have seen the entire series to enjoy episode four, you know, uh, or just going. And I kind of miss that. I kind of miss, you know, for, for example, up, I bringing back Star Trek again. You, know, you could go back and watch any given episode of, of the Star Trek or, or even Stargate, uh, you know, SG-1 or even Atlantis. Um, a lot of these great sci-fi TV shows that they just don't do anymore. Uh, where you could just go up, pick up an episode and say, oh my gosh, I love this episode. Let's just rewatch it. And you don't have to be involved in the storyline. And if somebody's watching it with you, they could just enjoy it too. They don't really have to know, uh, you know, a whole season worth of content to enjoy a singular episode. And uh, I would like to see that. I would like this, this more than any of the other series currently on TV, I think has the potential to really pull that off. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think this show more so than Flash and Arrow and Supergirl is the one show that could do the episodic and actually get away with it and, and even not have that backdrop as mentioned. You know, you mentioned the Star Trek Next Generation format and I would even also kind of uh, relate it to almost Doctor Who as we had mentioned, uh, you know, whereas each episode in the beginning part of the season was an episodic episode with that minor little backdrop in the end that didn't kind of get tied together until the end. Uh, and not even that, but another example would be Quantum Leap, um, you know, where he's just jumping from body to body and there's really no storyline. It's just an episodic show that just happens. Yeah, I think that um, those type of shows tend to have a longer lifespan. I mean, we still go back and watch Quantum Leap. I still go back and watch Sliders, you know. I love obviously. Sliders. Yeah, it, they're, they're great shows. I mean, you don't go back and watch Battle Tactica or Babylon 5 because you can't just up and watch it at any given time. You can't, you have to be involved in it to watch the whole thing. You have to binge watch a season to re enjoy it, you know. Whereas, yeah. uh, I really miss shows where you could just at any given time, like, man, I love that show. I haven't seen it in a while. I, I kind of want to watch that episode where they did blank, you know. And I really, really hope that they take advantage of that with these characters and the situation and the, uh, you know, scenarios that they could potentially have, you know, just keeping it on earth. Boring. You know, that's, what's been going wrong. I think with Dr. Who these past few, few years is that they've been focusing too much on earth and not enough on traveling the universe and going throughout time or what have you. Um, I just really think that given the advantage of this being a very Dr. Who esque situation where they have a ship that could travel through time and space, uh, with a team of big old superheroes, uh, it could be really, really exciting and really, really fun. Uh, but if they do another heavy-handed, long, drawn-out storyline that's going to last, you know, you know, sixteen episodes uh, for one single tale, I think it's going to falter a bit. I think I actually think more than likely that's not going to happen next season. I think we're going to see a little bit more episodic from what a lot of things they were talking about, but we still haven't found out yet even how many episodes next season is going to be. I would like to see it have kind of a full season versus 16 episodes where they're feeling like they're forced to tell one story. Um, I think when you have shows that get full seasons, like you see that with flash and arrow that usually the front half of their season are more of those traditional more episodic stuff where you're seeing less of the main overarching story and gives them some room to stretch and have fun. Uh, One of the things I remember we talked about weeks back when we were still getting close to season's end of that show was them actually talking at at pretty heavy length that, you know, next season 
we're going to not see like this mass ensemble in every episode. And they're going to kind of slow things down a little bit where it's going to be like, hey, you know, like Firestorm is going to mix it up with like some of the JSA and it's just going to be them going on a mission. Like we don't have to have everybody in this single episode. Um, and I think that's a positive thing. It gets you to focus on certain characters to tell just their story, their tale. And I think that makes for they could make for better TV, especially with what how large this ensemble could be getting next season. I mean, while we did drop three characters, we have no idea how many JSA members we're going to get. Um, we already know Vixen is in the lineup some way, shape, or form for next season. And we know that Snart's coming in back and forth somehow. Um, so, so much can be happening with this, and I'd rather see them give time to focus on characters when they should be instead of feeling like you're cramming a tiny little plot thread in one episode just because you feel like you have to show that character. I think that's where we talked about how it faltered, where you're like, well, what's happening with Kendra? Well, we don't have anything for her to do, but we're going to write this stupid little side story for her just so we can make sure she had screen time. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying, too. But I mean, as far as other things that I would like to see come out of this this second season as well, we did, uh, you know, we got Rex Tyler, who we know was a member of the JSA at one point or another. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what and and also on The Flash, which, uh, you know, we got Jay Garrick um who was also a member of the JSA. So I'm looking forward to seeing what other ties to the JSA we're going to see in season two. Well, there's a lot of thought process right now that we're going to see citizen steel, um, which I wouldn't be surprised about. I think if we're going to, they're going to probably throw some more female characters in the mix. And if that's the case, I think we're going to see somebody like star girl. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I mean, beyond that though, I'm not quite sure who they're going to be willing to throw in. I would love for them to do somebody like the specter. I think that would be phenomenal, but I'm wondering if they'll they'll have the balls to do something like that. Let's let's make the big, big yeah. Let's make the big storyline of season two. Uh, Doctor Manhattan completely changes the scope of the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> I would be okay with that. Oh, you. <laughs> um, I would be so okay with that. Actually, I, if I have to have a villain, I want Star of the Conqueror. It's <laughs> <laughs> because it'd be fucking ridiculous and i don't want a giant size star i want one like the size of like one that's an aquarium tank just trying to slowly take over the world and the big twist at the end is that it's actually patrick from spongebob <laughs> <laughs> uh i know one character i would like to see return for season two of course uh well I can't say return because we haven't seen this character on Legends. They would be returning to the scope of this of these television series. I would like to see them somehow fit Constantine into the mix. Oh, yes. Um, and you know what? And I'm kind of hopeful to that, too, because I can't remember who it was who told me it or not. Rob, it might have been you or uh, Chris might have been you. It might be somebody completely different. CW now is showing Constantine on CW Seed. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is a big step for them, which means – hopefully CW now is going to reuse that character more um, in some form or another. I think he would almost fit a little bit better now into Legends than he would Arrow, which is why I'm hopeful we do see him at least in another cameo, because uh, I'd love to see Matt Ryan to come back and play that character again, because he's fantastic. Um, but who knows? I, that, that's just something that I'm hopeful for. I think that'll, I think we're going to see that probably this season somewhere on one of the shows. They already did say pretty much flat out that Jonah Hex is coming back this season, at least in at least an episode or two. So uh, so that's positive news on that front, too. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else for predictions that we we want to bring up before we move on? One thing I would like to see also uh, in terms of predictions and, and if the 
transmutation was any indication about the growth of the Firestorm character. You know, how in the uh, comics it was later revealed that he was an elemental. So being that they brought the Speed Force as a living entity into the Flash, it'd be really cool to bring the you know, the fire force, for lack of a better term, uh, the fire elemental storyline into his character. You know, that would be, I think, really, really fun to yeah. explore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, cool. So that's going to wrap it up then for the Legends of Tomorrow of recap that we were doing for this episode. But before we move on to our uh, recommendations and news, Chris, um, we wanted to give you a couple minutes if you want to take it to let us know, obviously we focused more on Legends of Tomorrow this time around, but give us some of your thoughts of Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash from this season. Oh gosh, uh, I mean, you still Flash hands down has just completely blown it out of the water. Like, I mean, you took a basically you've created DC's Iron Man. You know, you created the linchpin of the DC universe on TV. Uh, funny enough having been brought forth from Arrow. I think Arrow's kind of floundered a bit in the past few seasons, and I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, they, they, they start to... They're saying that they're going to bring it back down to the street level come next season, focus more on the, like, first two-season type of storylines for for his character, mm-hmm. uh, which would be nice, um, and stop, you know, making him such a... Stop making him Batman, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um I mean, Flash, I'm very, very... Oh, another thing I recently read was that, as we know, Flash ended with what was going, what is going to be Flashpoint. And they're also saying that the Flashpoint storyline is going to affect the Arrowverse as well as the Flash TV series. Um, actually, unfortunately, that got reneged. That was apparently uh, taken out of context. That was oh, one of really? our first, first news stories for uh, for this week, so... Unfortunately, oh, it sounds like that may or may not happen. I'm, I'm hoping it does. I, I'm hoping that maybe it was a Mel had said something he shouldn't have said at Heroes and Villains, and CW said, uh, "Please walk that back." You yeah. Know? Wait, wait no, 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 no. That, that that was something completely different. Um, I know what you're talking about, but uh, no, the fact that they're going to say that it's going to somehow because they, they it has to. I mean, that they it's already been well documented that they do exist in the same universe. So something that affects one has to affect the other. But I was under the impression when they first revealed that they were going to do Flashpoint, I thought they had said at the time that it was going to be purely contained with the Flash. They weren't they weren't going to extend into the other shows. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering, too, if that has something to do with the fact that maybe a Flashpoint gets walked back at the end of episode one uh, because the Flash is the first show to air. Um, when the seasons start and it's starting with Flash, then Arrow. Um, so I wonder if you're going to see that because unfortunately, it, for, if you have people that watch Arrow that don't watch Flash uh, or you know Supergirl and it impacts all the rest of the shows, what happens um, to those viewers? Are they massively confused? And when everything goes back to status quo and Flash, well, they're going to have to figure out how to address everybody else that's not watching that show. So it, it, it's, it becomes a tricky situation quick. I mean, you know, during the waiting, rating sweep, since uh, Supergirl is coming to the CW, they're going to have a big melange episode where they bring everybody together. So mm-hmm. I really don't think that they're going to, you know, separate them as much as we may have been led to believe. I think it may be a red herring to say that they're not because 
you know, they want us to anticipate and wait, and then they're just going to be like, hey, they're all going to be on the same episode together. You're going to see Supergirl and Green, Lan- uh, Green Lantern, Green <laughs> Arrow and Flash and and Constantine and something. You know, I mean, it's they're basically kind of bringing a form of Justice League. I mean, heck, they're bringing Superman in. You know, they've already cast Superman. Uh, weird looking. I mean, not to say weird looking fella. Handsome fella, but I, I, I can't wait to see what how he looks in the series uh but they're they're really amping everything up this season so um i'd be really surprised if they did separate it all i mean i mean if 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 by the season's end uh and they have not brought it all together to one big hullabaloo i would be i'd be a bit taken aback by that because um you know they're 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 leading every i don't think it's gonna it's not going to happen i guess is the bottom line my thing is that I mean, you're talking midseason finale is what they're they're I think they're saying for the the massive four point crossover yeah. uh, between all the shows. And at that point, you're usually about ten to twelve episodes into the season. I don't think I, I want to. I'm I'm go, probably going out on a limb by saying this, but I'm thinking the Flashpoint storyline is going to be wrapped up by that time. You think so? I, I think so. I don't think they're going to be able to drag it out throughout the entire season i I don't i want to believe that they could i mean and with all four shows if they're going to be time if flashpoint was going to be affecting all of the other shows actually it wouldn't have any effect on supergirl because it's a completely different um uh completely different world uh in the multiverse but um as far as arrow and legends it would it would definitely affect and if they were going to go that route i think you could drag it out throughout the season but if they're going to keep it contained in flash i think they're going to wrap it up pretty quick um i would say probably within the first five to seven episodes i think they're going to correct it yeah i mean the biggest question is how do you do a flashpoint show and have a show called the flash where your lead character doesn't have his powers for half a season I mean, that causes a lot of problems. I mean, even he got his powers back by episode six and had to revert the timeline back. I mean, it's that's a lot to that's that's a, a very effects heavy uh, budget now for four shows dealing with that fallout. Um, I mean, and maybe it's something that they can play with in Legends a little bit of going to that time frame when everything is jacked the hell up. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how it's going to play out. I mean, I, there's so many questions I could have. And it's even the event like how how deep of Flashpoint do they even do? Um, do they have it where Barry's in an alternate timeline where he doesn't have powers or maybe it's an alternate timeline that they choose to do where he has powers and his mom's alive and only maybe small things have changed or Wally becomes the flash instead, right? Mm. It could be tons of different things. I mean, maybe this is why captain cold is can now be alive. Flashpoint changed something that he was never on the wave rider. Maybe the legends cast doesn't ever have a memory of him being there and the time masters nail still exist because you know, Snart wasn't there to blow it up, and Ray is the one that's dead. Maybe that that vision now becomes true. I mean, and I could be I completely could be completely wrong too, as far as that massive crossover too. Because don't let's not re- forget that Kara has a memory of a memory of Barry being the Flash. But if Kendra, uh, Kendra, oh, I don't want to mix those two up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kara finds the way to you know Earth Prime and realizes that Barry is not the Flash, and Barry has no idea who she is. It could be this four part crossover that ends Flashpoint. You know, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that they could do. And I mean, they could throw us all for a loop. I mean, it just makes us more and more excited for October. So Absolutely. So uh, any other things you want to address, Chris, about the other shows? Or I like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a tie in there with a male. Technically. <laughs> uh, oh, our- oh, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. So we've gotten through that. Let's um, let's get the news out of the way because there oh, is. God a, damn it. <laughs> there so is. So if you guys want to take a nap, not the listeners, but if you two want to take a nap for about 10 minutes. <laughs> All I right. don't think it'll take you 10 minutes. All right. I'm going to try to do this as fast it's as just, humanly possible. Yeah, there's so much of it. Let's just whip through it. All right. I'm going to get the small stuff out of the way first. Then uh, as far as TV show stuff, uh, there's a lot in Arrow, so I'm going to lump that up, and then we'll hit the movie stuff. So uh, right off the bat, we do know uh, AMC has renewed Preacher for a season two, which will be an expanded season two, so most likely a full-length season. Uh, unfortunately, we missed it last week, but... Sounds like it was uh, kind of a fun episode, but Teen Titans Go, episode 157, since they're little micro-episodes, um, that aired on June 30th. Actually, it was a team-up with the Powerpuff Girls, so I've heard from a lot of people it's really well worth checking out. Uh, moving on to Supergirl real quick as well. Uh, Supergirl has announced that none other than Linda Carter will be joining season two as the president of the United States. So That's the original awesome. Wonder Woman is coming to that show. Uh, also, uh, heading over to Flash now. Uh, Tom Felton uh, is going to be joining as a series regular as a character by the name of Julian Dorn. Uh, Tom Felton, for those of you who don't remember, is Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter world. And this is the character we mentioned a couple weeks back. This is that contemporary that's going to be another CSI agent that's trying to realizes there's something off about Barry. It's going to be taking a lot of his time to try to figure out exactly who he is. Another reason why I don't think Flashpoint's going to go forever. Unfortunately. Um, so also now we're just going to dive into Arrow because holy crap, is there a lot of Arrow news uh, right off the bat? Um, Black Canary is going to be prevalent somehow in the show, but as a statue standing in the center of Star City. Um, so that did upset quite a few people and everybody was hoping that the Flashpoint stuff was going to affect it and maybe bring that character back. Sounds like that has been kiboshed. Um, the showrunner also stated, though, uh, that expect something terrific this season for Curtis. Obviously a big nod to him, hopefully becoming Mr. Terrific in this season. Uh, we also found out a few things at Heroes and Villains as well. Um, new costumes are planned for both not only Green Arrow, but also sounds like Diggle will be getting his big upgrades that we were hoping for last season from Cisco. Um, <laughs> not wearing just half of a helmet. Yeah, not... Yeah, that baffles me still. <laughs> now, on to some of the other things. Uh, there was a re uh, speaking of heroes and villains. We did find out a couple other things as well. David Ramsey did get a chance to talk a little bit and has mentioned that for fans to expect Elicity to come back in full swing this season. So it sounds like Felicity Smoke and Oliver Queen will be reconciling and getting back together this season in some way, shape or form, um, as well as that uh, Amel had made statements at a convention that we just brought up about it actually uh flashpoint affecting arrow it sounds like that has been pulled back and amel said that stuff was taken out of context uh you can read up a little bit more pretty much on comic book movie they have the full clips of exactly the statements made by amel uh now on to casting news for arrow for season five there's a whole slew here so uh josh Segura will be the new district attorney chad elkoman from walkie dead fame will be playing the big bad this season who is an original character as well as josh Segura's character the new da will be also an original character um tyler uh tyler ritter who is also going to be kind of taking over the quentin lance role is running star city police department uh, as detective malone 
Uh, we also found out that Madison McLaughlin will be returning on uh, season five, but not as the Black Canary, like, you know, 3.0 that we saw last season, but now coming in as the Young Justice character Artemis, which is kind of exciting to see. Uh, last but not least, we have two other additions. One is Cody Rhodes, somebody that Stephen Amell has feuded with on WWE, uh, but he will be guest starring as a villain, and him and Stephen Amell will be butting heads at some point in time. Uh, and last but not least, another thing adding in is uh, actress Carly Pope will be joining the cast as Susan Williams. And for those of you who know that character, especially the character of Green Lantern, knows that she is, in fact, Hal Jordan's future sister-in-law. So something kind of exciting. Uh, jumping over to the movie news real quick, uh, going into Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad is 100% complete. Uh, the director did come out and say as of June 24th, the film is fully finished uh, its post-production work. And we are now just pretty much just gearing up for the final until the release of the film in August. The film has been given a runtime of 130 minutes with credits. And uh, we did find out that Argus will be present somehow in Suicide Squad. Moving over to Justice League, uh, we got quite a bit of stuff uh, two weeks back when we mentioned there was going to be a lot of news dropped. Uh, and this all pretty much comes straight out of that day. We did find out a few things. Sounds like Joker may make a cameo appearance in Justice League. Uh, Jared Leto was recently uh, spotted in uh, Leavesden Studios, uh, where the film is currently actually going under its principal photography. Uh, J.K. Simmons did come out as well and said that you can very much expect a very classic version of Commissioner Gordon appearing in this film. He's not somebody that just switches on a light and is, in fact, more of a contemporary and partner uh, to Batman, as we've seen previously. And he will be sporting his traditional classic look of the reddish-grayish hair with the mustache and glasses. So everybody is pretty much looking forward to, at this point, seeing J.K. Simmons in the performance. Um, Zack Snyder did also come out and state a couple different things as well when the press did come in and see the, uh, the behind-the-scenes and did state that the uh, backlash and fan response to Batman versus Superman did drastically change the tone of Justice League. And for fans to expect a more optimistic, less murderous Batman in this film, and also to expect a very small role from Superman in this film, as this is primarily going to focus on Batman building the Justice League. Uh, and with we will see Superman return near the later parts of the film where he will have a couple action scenes. But a lot of people said not to be surprised if you see him sporting the classic mullet from uh, the return of Superman. So um, and just a couple last couple points going over some Justice League stuff. This film is not any longer a, a two part film. It is now a standalone film. Uh, it is going to be very Jack Kirby influenced, especially considering there's going to be a lot of New God stuff prevalent. That sp is speaking being Steppenwolf will be the main villain, as we previously reported. We will be seeing Parademons, and Lex Luthor will be involved in some way, shape, or form. Uh, we do know the film plot revolves around the search for three mother boxes, one on Themyscira, one on Atlantis, and one on Earth. Uh, Batman will have a fully upgraded suit. Cyborg's costume will be 100% CGI, and the Flash costume apparently appears to be pieced together from multiple different spacesuits, which are going to be later streamlined into a new costume created by Batman for Flash. Um, we did hear a little bit more about Mara's role. She will be a warrior and sorceress. William, William Defoe is indeed going to be playing an Atlantean. His character's name is Volko, who is a classic character that was a mentor to Aquaman. And there are two new vehicles going to be appearing in the film created by Wayne Industries, which is the Flying Fox, the jet that the League will be using, and the Nightcrawler, something created by Thomas Wayne for military purposes. And the last piece of news for the week is apparently Zack Snyder is not done with DC. 
Uh, Zack Snyder and Jeff Johns apparently are working on a mystery project. And that project in the works is not going to be a film, but apparently a very rumored project that has been for HBO, which could very well be the long-rumored Watchmen TV series. And that is it for the news this week. <gasps> about Rob, and now we go into Sky Chopper 2. We have Ben Beck with the traffic. Ben? Um, I'm, I was mesmerized by a cat earlier. Sorry. Yeah, I no, I was watching too, and I was like, don't go cross-eyed. Don't go cross-eyed. <laughs> Oh, my God, that was a lot to try to read fast. It was. It really, really uh, And was. we're not going to try to break any of it down. Um, <laughs> there's way too much to, to discuss. But No, if you miss any of it, just rewind the podcast and yes. backtrack in the podcast a little bit, uh, and you'll be able to find it. But uh, before we wrap things up, obviously, we're, we're going to get a chance to plug all of our shit. Uh, but before we do that, let's... Um, we're going to make some recommendations, as we usually do, uh, for some stuff that we think you might want to check out in the process as far as the world of DC and such. Uh, Chris, I'm not sure. Did you have anything you wanted to recommend this week? I'm about to rewatch Twin Peaks. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got another. I've, I've been uh, uh, since since we are currently in the uh, downtime of TV series. Uh, and just got caught up on Game of Thrones. Um, I'm just kind of gonna ha- have an itch to go back and watch some uh, some older classic stuff and uh, get caught up on a bunch of movies I haven't seen in a long time. Refresh my memory on some barbarian films as I am wont to do. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much it. I mean, keep an eye on Nerdbase. You know, uh, updates every now and then. Uh, Nerd-base.com. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I review stuff that's 20, 30 years old instead of newer stuff just because I, you know, I'm a big movie buff and I watch a lot of uh, old classic stuff that has fallen into obscurity and or under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. And your Twitter account at NerdBaseGo, correct? Uh, At Twitter and um, Instagram. The gram. At NerdBaseGo. And, uh, Yeah. Facebook slash NerdBaseGo. Well, let me know when you uh, re-review Lady Hawk. I'm very curious. Uh, yeah, it's actually something I, I did. A, I did a top 10 sand and sandals, uh, sorry, sword and sandals uh, list not too long ago. I really considered Lady Hawk, but I mean, if, if you want to go with uh, strong Rutger Hauer movies uh, in his medieval era, I'd probably take Flesh and Blood instead. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry guys you're, you're you're going to a different territory with that question no it's fine it's i did that fine. more of a joke but i'm like actually i'm kind of intrigued now, so. <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't expecting that That's um uh, we'll so, throw yeah rob we'll throw it over to you we'll, uh we'll just uh, we'll th- we'll throw them together your recommendation and your cheap plugs cool for everything too well obviously one of the things i gotta say right off the bat uh with maddox being back on uh one of the things you guys definitely need to make sure you go back and check is if you haven't listened to it yet the Wizard World uh, panel that we did that Maddox was a part of, uh, and Craig and me and Ben. Um, so definitely give that a listen. But more specifically, because tickets are selling out quick, my recommendation is get your ass over to Fandango uh, and buy your tickets because the Killing Joke tickets are on sale, and that's happening on July 25th. It is a Monday. Most places that are doing shows either either sold out, and they have added show times. So there's usually most theaters are doing a 7.30 and a 10 p.m. So uh, I would jump on that quick because most places are selling out very fast. And this is a rare occurrence, too, because Fathom Events, usually they set the theaters and that's it. When they're sold out, they're sold out. They never add additional And they did quickly on this one, which is yeah. surprising. So I would definitely jump on that because uh, 
I don't know the next time you're going to see a DC animated film on the big screen. So well worth it. Yes. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Duh. Uh, <laughs> so you can always find me at CaffeineCrew.com. And that's on uh, Facebook and Twitter at CaffeineCrew. Uh, you can always reach out to me and email me at thecaffeinecrew uh, at gmail.com. And I do a podcast monthly as well, which we're behind on then our recording tomorrow. That'll Ben will be a part of. And that is the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pod, which is a monthly geek culture podcast. And that's it. Oh, cool. So uh, I can be found as well as this podcast and all of the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is at nextlevelradioonline.com, uh, on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, and on Twitter at nxtlevelradio. You can, of course, email Rob and myself for anything you'd like us to throw into the recommendations or anything you'd like us to review or talk about on the podcast. Uh, you can email dcprimetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, and my recommendation this week, actually, I got to go to Heroes and Villains, which we mentioned in uh, the news earlier, which some of the news came out of this week. And my co-host Adam from the showcast and I got to go and we had an incredible experience at Heroes and Villains. We got to meet uh, so many people like uh, Willa Holland, um, uh, Charlotte, now I can't remember her last name, which is Felicity's mother from Arrow, uh, Echo Column, who I actually did bring up the whole expect something terrific tweet to, and he just laughed and nodded with a big grin on his face. So you can tell he's excited for what's coming. And he is extremely tall. He's like 6'5". Yeah, I saw a couple pictures with one of our friends, Kelly, who is very, very tall. And she's standing next to him, looked dwarfed in comparison. And she makes me look short. They hide it really well on the show. Uh, but he is extremely tall, but very, very nice. Uh, but while we were there, we also got to interview uh, Drew Powell from Gotham, who plays Butch Gilzine from Gotham, uh, Katie Cassidy and Paul Blackthorne, who were all incredibly nice and incredibly gracious. So my recommendation is go to our website and click on the events page and click on the tab for Heroes and Villains. Uh, and you can hear and see all three of those interviews, as well as a bunch of pictures from the event as well. Uh, so check out all of those interviews. Interviews that we got to do and definitely check out the photo of the all the next level folks with Katrina law because it's <laughs> one of my favorite pictures from a con in a long time uh, yeah we'll post that picture up on the site it's not up there yet but it will be by the time you're listening to this um, and it was uh, one of the best pictures of the event not only from up for us but all of Katrina's people laughed the whole time we were posing for that picture and said that was the picture of the day uh, and I will wrap that conversation up by saying it was all Katrina's idea so uh, Katrina Law plays uh, Nessa Al Ghul, if you don't know who she is from Arrow. Uh, absolute sweetheart, by the way. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap things up for this week's issue and the DC Legends of Tomorrow annual issue of DC Primetime. Next week, next issue will be our Flash annual. And then after Finally. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been after, trying. After being bumped twice. So. Yeah. Uh, don't know where we're going to go from there, but by the time we finish with the flash annual, we will have an idea where we're going to go with the rest of these issues between now and October. Uh, we have some ideas. We just got to, we just have to flush them out a little bit. Uh, obviously we can tell you one of them is a killing joke, full episode discussion. And the other one will definitely be a suicide discussion, but oh, absolutely. we have a couple to filter in, in between. So if there's specifics you would like to see, because unfortunately I don't think we're going to have enough time to really be able to give Lucifer or, a zombie 
or a preacher uh, proper time, maybe we can do at least an episode or two or some thoughts or maybe even go back and do annuals for older seasons of Flash or Arrow. Um, so give us your thought process in it. Uh, let us know what you would like to hear. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. DC primetime at next level radio online dot com. Let us know. Um, we might even have Drew Powell on as a guest one of the weeks in between now and then. We're still working on some other guests to possibly have on as well. Uh, But before we wrap things up, uh, once again, special thanks to uh, Chris Mannix from Nerdbase for joining us again this week. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I I was, what? (laughs) What are you guys talking about? Did I miss something? No, you're good. Uh, No, we were just thanking you for joining us again this week. Oh, 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 no, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been, uh, it's been very fun. And I'm sorry my voice is kind of hoarse, but, uh, you know, my, my day job keeps me talking all day. So by the end of the day, it's kind of weak. Um, but no, man, it's always fun. It's always fun joining you guys. Uh, sorry I get sidetracked so much. <laughs> it's okay. Oh. You keep us entertained as we're talking and try to, you try to break us every time. Yes. Usually, so, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will say there were a number of times it almost happened, especially with a particular Mary Poppins picture that popped up. <laughs> 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 uh, you gotta, you know, uh, you gotta keep it fun, guys. You gotta, you gotta keep breaking it up. Nobody likes somebody just sitting there talking at him for an hour. Come on. Yeah. If uh, only, dude. if only our listeners knew. One of these days, we need to do a video podcast yeah, just so the listeners can see him. I might yeah. get arrested. <laughs> we have we would have to mark that one as explicit uh, you, you, you seriously almost broke me like at least six times while i was trying to rattle off the news and i'm like oh, come on keep it together <laughs> and if i wasn't reading out of a book then i would have been boned yeah so. So just just so the listeners know um while the guys are talking i we don't we don't we record this on skype and uh i'm i always like to have my camera going and i have a little video thing where i could just point you know post gifs and videos what have you and i collect stupid ridiculous absurd obscene uh gifs and pictures <laughs> and i just sit there and subject the fellows to this every time we record so <laughs> Because the, the, there's one great thing when you're having a podcast is having somebody who's sitting there talking about something very serious and go, you know, and then in latest news, this, uh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> and the funny part about the whole thing is, too, that by the time we, we get you on the podcast again, I completely forgot that you have the ability to do it. So it's all new and fresh to me every time we have you on. Yeah. So I need right, to remember it. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now I have uh, it's me a picture of me dressed up as Constantine from quite a few years ago when I was uh, much more fit, uh, and then I just have a picture of a baby being set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> not a baby, not a real baby. Yeah, Nobody not a, Yeah, not a baby, not a real baby, not a real baby. Uh, all right. So with that being said, let's wrap things up uh, and we're going to get out of here to enjoy the rest of our night. We will see you guys next week. And Take ben, care. you and me get to do this again tomorrow night. Ugh, oh, that's right. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So check the Caffeine Crew iTunes feed for another fun episode yes. of that, which will be, I'm sure it's fun. Night with real babies this time. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. so. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. See you next I week. I miss you most of all, Scarecrow.